Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of It's the Kid Michael Show. It's the Halloween special, our second one since we started. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Kid Michael. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, George Pacheco. George, how's it going? Hey, good. We have a guest that I am so friggin' excited for this week. Um, he is the director and uh, main actor of the Bad Ben franchise, um, kind of a cult um internet franchise of found footage horror movies um nigel batch welcome on to the, it's the kid michael show Thank, uh, thanks for inviting me here and it's bach bach all right my apologies that's i'm not <laughs> offended it's just I'm, i might not know how to answer if you're calling for a batch yeah <laughs> um so nigel uh just on the we've, we've had some some i would call big for us guests on this show but Usually, uh, I got them through connections from college, going to art school and whatnot. You're our biggest guest in the sense that uh, it was a shot in the dark. That's and not that joke, is it? No, oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh God, I wouldn't dream no. of it. Um, but you're a, you're a big pull for us. Uh, we're very happy to have you on. Um, how's it going right now? You got uh, you've got your movie coming out in what two days? On Tuesday, yes, it's uh, Bad Ben Nine. Ben mm-hmm. Is released, but it, yeah, anyhow, is it going? In the past twenty four hours, I lost a crown and I stepped on a nail. Oh, other than that, everything's going good. Um, I just realized this benign has the word nine in it. I don't think I I caught that the first, but is that is that intentional? Yes. It's, okay. Because it's bad Ben nine. Benign. Benign. Yeah. Nine. Benign. <laughs> now I'm getting it. Okay, I just got it too. Yeah, I didn't I get just, that at first. But um So uh we're gonna like we're gonna do the part real quick that we always do, which is talk about what we've watched this week. Uh for me it's all bad Ben movies. So um George, have you watched anything other than Bad Ben that you wanna talk about real quick? I I actually watched Dune. Oh, you've seen if the new Dune? Wanna, I I have HBO Max. Oh, that's right, it's on HBO Max. Uh, Nigel, have you seen this yet? I watched Dune and I watched Halloween Kills this week. Oh wow! Uh, you know you're the guest. Let's let's let you talk first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell us about tell us about Halloween Kills. Well, you know, if you're a fan of the Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. the truth of it is, if they make thirty of these things, you'll watch all thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was good. It had an, the ending was definitely a setup for. A, another one yeah but it was good and you can tell they uh they threw some money in it and it's just the end without it giving any spoilers the end is just a little bit different than in the past and uh, i'll just uh, i'll just leave it at that without giving away any spoilers for it mm-hmm. now um i'm not too familiar with the halloween franchise uh what i do know about these new reboots that um We've talked about this on the show before that there's this weird trend in Hollywood of um, a sequel that ignores previous sequels. It's like the new thing. They did that with the last Halloween. Yeah. Um, this Halloween is is not a reboot. This one is actually is a follow up to that one. Right. But the previous 
Halloween movie. They just ignored some of the previous Halloween movies, but that that's okay. People mm-hmm. people watch it for what it is. Yeah. Um, and George, you haven't seen Halloween Kills yet, correct? No, but I saw the original Halloween. I think according to this franchise, Halloween, that there's only three movies: the yeah. original, the one that came out last year, and um, this one. I think it's so fascinating uh, that, from what I understand, John Carpenter has expressed that the, 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 the franchise was supposed to be an anthology every year, an original horror movie to come out on Halloween. And people just clicked with Michael Myers, so he stuck with it. That's a shame. That's a yeah. shame. It could have been really interesting in that regard. But he did he did kind of do that for Halloween 3. Is that the season of the witch one? Yeah, that's season of the witch. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up that one too to say that like I guess he kind of did do it in the same way Cloverfield was an anthology film mm-hmm. series where like they're still connected and mm-hmm. it's kind of very faint and kind of unnecessary. But yeah, they're kind of an anthology while still trying to be like an IP. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to Cloverfield later. Um, but uh, Nigel, how about Dune? It was, uh, well, you know, Dune, this was actually... <laughs> part one also uh-huh because the original film was kind of self-contained but the book is uh is like 900 pages i believe i was uh-huh. so this dune it ends at a logical point for it to end but you could there's obviously going to be continuations because not a whole lot was resolved in this but it was visually um it was very pleasing. So that's what they were going for. And, you know, story-wise, you can follow it, um, but you you definitely, I mean, it's clear. In fact, when it comes up in the opening credits, it says part one. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that people originally, when this movie was being made, that people expected that because some people expressed some disappointment Mm-hmm. that it was just part one but i mean if you like part one you should be happy because that means there's more well i think from what i've read because I, I follow a lot of people who are really excited for this movie on twitter and it, it seems that the thing that upsets people is that there is no greenlit sequel yeah yeah there's gonna be this thing's gonna do incredible mm-hmm. I, uh, I, i'm I, not I, too I, worried i'd follow the money and the uh-huh. money seems to be betting on dune it did really well overseas. It's it's doing really well here from like the the amount of attention it's getting so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope the HBO Max doesn't act as a spoiler because I that's how I saw it. And yeah, that's it's so weird that they released it on HBO Max one day before theaters. I'm still gonna go watch it in yeah, theaters. So I'm personally, I hear an IMAX. It's yeah. It's, I'm gonna double dip. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it uh, again in theaters. Um, I I agree with everything. Um said it's it's um it it seems like they were setting up it broke my heart actually that this isn't a tv show like this isn't an hbo show um because i now have to wait like three years the next third of a story and even then with three movies each one being like Uh, two and a half to three hours long by the way george it's going to be part one and two are dune and part three i think is um god emperor oh okay even then like i feel like we're losing a lot, which is something yeah. I didn't feel. I, I hate to make the Game of Thrones comparison, but in Game of Thrones, even with a full one-hour episode, 10 episodes a season uh, thing, which means mm-hmm. like 10, uh, 10 hours like for half a book, 
almost, mm-hmm. we still felt like we were missing out on stuff. We still felt like stuff was being left out, plot lines were being cut. So imagine how much they're cutting for uh, for Dune to be a movie, which is like a way more compressed format. Mm-hmm. I, I have Dune book right here on my on my bookshelf, and I bought it knowing that the movie was coming out. I was going to read it in advance so I could be like so into the lore. And I got like six words in, and it, there was just too many, like, too much, like, uh, world building at one go. Mm-hmm. And I put it down, and I did not pick it back up. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy book. Have you yeah. read it, Nigel? No, I haven't. Hmm. Um, it's like the Bible. I think everybody just kind of like doesn't <laughs> make time. It, but... Yeah, <laughs> nobody makes time for it. Uh, Nigel, I wanted to ask you: Have you been to theaters since uh, the pandemic? Now, in fact, I wasn't a, a huge theater goer before the pandemic because, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say this was a a good part of the pandemic that so much was released, but I do, uh, you know, I have a good television and audio system, so I prefer to watch at home because in theaters, the theaters offer an experience of their own because you're in there with other people and you their reactions become your reactions and you mm-hmm. become engrossed in it. But also you could have somebody in the theater that's a pain in the butt that's being loud, that's being noisy mm-hmm. and, and uh, it can distract from it. So yeah. I, I've enjoyed watching these films at home. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate for a lot of the, because a lot of the money is made actually not as much money is made in the, with a the theatrical release as people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these companies that release a film, not these blockbusters, but the profit margin on a film released in the theater is very, very small as mm-hmm. compared to releasing it via streaming or even still people that buy DVDs. The profit margin is so much higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's either or people could do either, but. I prefer, I've enjoyed watching these films at home. You know, uh, I've always thought there is a bit of a pretentiousness to this idea of uh, you haven't seen a movie unless you've seen it in a theater. A lot of directors and filmmakers kind of tout that. Um, I think uh, we were talking last week that I just saw 2001 at a screening at the Museum of the Moving Image. That's a movie I had to see in a theater. Right. There are certain ones. And, yeah. And up until, you know, in the past... 15, 20 years, when you would see a movie in the theater, you were seeing it in 16 by 9. Mm-hmm. As at home, you were seeing it on in the 4 by 3 format, unless they put a black line across the top and bottom to stretch out the image. Mm-hmm. So now televisions more match what a theater screen is. But yes, there are many, many directors that are, are adamant their film has to be seen in a the theater. I think it's a form of narcissism too, because like not every movie is a do, not every movie is uh, a space odyssey. Like I'm not gonna go see Jack and Jill in theaters. Like I'm going to like rent that, or I'm going to like. Not every movie is a cinematograph, uh, cinematography like masterpiece. I don't know how to say that properly, but you know what I mean. Um, cinematic, cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, uh, it's not always going to be even worth it to go see it in theaters. But of course, directors want you to go see their movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, general, oh, sorry, what were you going to say, Nigel? Fans right now of the TV series Seinfeld <laughs> are up in arms because 
Seinfeld, I believe, has moved to Netflix, and they took it from the 4-3 format to make it 16 by 9, and they didn't stretch the image wide. What they did was they just kind of zoomed in on it, so there's stuff that's cut off on the top and bottom. Simpsons did the same thing on Disney+, Plus. I remember. Yeah. Um, I think they eventually fixed it, or they gave you the option to change it. Right. Well, I think people are, uh, they've expressed that they're not happy with that and mm-hmm. may in fact be changing that. But who knows? It feels like uh, people like in the age of streaming have become, uh, I don't want to say this like as if it's super negative, but more picky about certain things in, in the way they watch television now that they have these options. I remember they, they made that, that Star Wars anime on Disney Plus, and I saw a bunch of people complaining that the English subtitles were. Uh, the English translations and not direct translations to what the Japanese dub was saying. And it's like, wow, like people care a lot more about such uh, minute things in the age of streaming. I feel like, I think that's always been like beef though in, in, in that anatomy community. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see Zack Schneider's um, cut of justice league, league done in four, three and mm-hmm. 16, nine. I was shocked when that popped up on the screen. I said, wow, a new release, and it's not 16 by 9. Did you think that was a good choice? Yeah, I mean, I followed it, and I stuck with it. And I would say that, I mean, it had been a long time since I saw the other Justice League that was put out. Mm -hmm. But to me, approximate, I would say like 75% of it was the same. And then there were additional scenes. And obviously Superman's outfit was black mm-hmm. in this version as compared to it was the blue and red in the older version but yeah it was a little surprising to see it done that way but it was fine to follow and it was i would say engrossing mm-hmm. i just wonder if that was in the theater if it was going to be four three also i i guess it was uh i heard a lot of um a lot of people say that uh four three works well for something like superheroes just because uh when you have such a, a shorter form factor, like everyone on screen is larger, and for something like superheroes, that makes that makes the that makes them pop more. Like they're they're these gods on your screen, kind of thing. Um, I'm sure there's a psychology behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, um, George, you watch anything else this week besides Dune? No, not really. Um. So I watched, I'm not going to talk about it because we've already talked about this movie on the show and I really don't want to talk about the movie, but I did watch, um, uh, we need to talk about Kevin, uh, with Tilda Swinton, Ezra Miller and, um, John C. Riley. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie, Nigel. Yeah, I saw that. That's been out a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in a, a class for, uh, women directors and, uh, we were focusing, I can't remember her name, but she's a Scottish director and she made that film. Yeah, um, I saw that many years ago. God, that movie's heavy. Yeah, and you know, with current climate being what it is, and with school violence and all, it's it's surprising that that film's even out there still. Mm-hmm. Because some people, you know, will will insist that film and video games and stuff like that drive some of the violence we experience. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, funny that that movie, for some reason, like my, my teacher was lamenting about how of all the movies that director has made, uh, there was the least uh, academic writing on We Need to Talk About Kevin. 
that's, that's yeah which is weird that's like that seems to considering me considering how much there is here how much like uh psychology there is here uh-huh and much. i'm pretty sure let me just double check this i just want to make sure i'm talking to the right director okay i'm not talking about the right director but yeah uh that is her uh lynn ramsey is the director uh we also watched uh her film rat catcher and um i can't remember the other one it's like a scottish name but fascinating movie not one i ever want to see again to be honest no um but yeah I, that's that's about it we can get into uh the good bad ben stuff um so nigel um I wanted to talk to you a bit about um found footage uh as a genre. Okay. You know, um it kind of I I feel like uh you can stop me if I'm wrong. I feel like it really kind of had its first boom with Blair Witch. Correct and then many years later Paranormal Activity. Yeah, I was going to say Paranormal Activity is the one that really set everything off. Right, uh, and it seems like that's the one that really catapulted Bad Ben itself. Well, how I wound up doing Bad Ben was I am a screenwriter, mm-hmm. and I've pitched multiple screenplays I've written, and it's very difficult unless your last name is Sorkin, yeah, to get into the business. So people, I was making small market television commercials for Comcast mm-hmm. as an independent um, producer. And people said, hey, you own cameras. Why don't you make your own film? But what people don't understand is just because, well, most people don't understand, is just because you own a camera doesn't mean you can make Avatar. Mm-hmm. These are multi-million dollar cameras a lot of these uh, productions are being done on. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I didn't have a particular like for found footage in the beginning, but what I did was I reverse engineered. I said, a friend one time told me, and you've probably heard this saying, when all you have is a hammer, you tend to treat everything like a nail. Mm-hmm. Well, I reverse engineered uh, what I could produce. I said, with the cameras I have, what can I do? And I said, I could do a found footage film. Mm-hmm. So I also, up until 2013, when my mother passed away after a great long life, I had had security cameras in the home so that when I was out of the house or somewhere else nearby, I could keep an eye on her and her health aids and everything. And at night when she'd go to bed, I would pick up my iPhone, I'd look at the cameras in the dark house and they had night vision. And I'd say to myself, you know, what would be creepy right now is if something walked across that room. So I decided that I would make a found footage film that was supposed to be shot strictly on security cameras. Now I actually used a GoPro um, on a stand up high in the room, similar to the location where a security camera would be. Mm -hmm. First film, I only had one GoPro. Since then, I've got eight. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a little easier because I don't have to keep moving them. But that is uh, using a GoPro. I was able, I actually had, 
I couldn't use a super good camera because to be realistic, most security cameras don't look that great. So I had to make it look a little bit rudimentary in mm -hmm. order to be believable. So you you kind of, you made the footage look worse to make it look more like a security camera. A little bit, yes. I didn't like turn up noise or anything mm -hmm. in it, but I adjusted frame rate a little bit just so that it didn't look too good because absolutely crystal clear footage with perfect mm -hmm. lighting. Nobody has a house like that. Yeah, you don't have perfect lighting in every room where you put it. Plus, and if you ever see like when the cops release a photo, we're looking for this person. The security camera footage always looks like crap. So, mm -hmm. is it is it true that your budget was strictly three hundred dollars? Yeah, actually, I didn't start with a budget, but it wound up at the end. The cost of making that film was three hundred dollars, which would have been two hundred and twenty-five dollars if it wasn't for the harness. That at the end of the film, when I'm drug across the floor by a chain, mm -hmm. I'm wearing a harness, and that harness costs seventy-five dollars. And I got blood on fake blood on it, so I couldn't take it back. So it wound up being three hundred dollars total. Yeah, that that's the part that really fascinates me about uh, you and your story, and um, just the uh, just bad bed in general is just this idea that like uh, in film school, people are always talking about um, writing scripts to get made, and that means cutting corners, like don't write a dinosaur in your script type thing. Um, but it, it, it feels like as, uh, as screenwriters and just film students in general are always looking for uh, the best way to get a film made when you have no money. And you kind of tapped into the best way to do that, which is found footage. I, I, I did do that. But let me tell you a, a little bit how I disagree with that statement that screenwriting professors make all the time. Mm -hmm. They say to write films to be made and, and granted that's obviously any studios looking to do something as cheaply as they can. But my, my screenwriting professor said to me, for instance, don't have people um, talking on telephones to, to push dialogue forward. So I go see his film, a screening of his film, and the entire film people are talking on telephones. So they'll, they'll say one thing. The, the bottom line is, in my opinion, go with what makes your screenplay compelling and interesting. And if they want to, I mean, you don't want to have buildings blowing up and collapsing and stuff like that. But nowadays, even with a simple editing program like, the Adobe Creative Suite, which I use, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you can do that you couldn't do even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. so write what you want to write. And yeah, you probably do want to avoid like a UFO blowing up a building. But if, if that pushes the story along, go with it. Because I spent years, I made Bad Ben six years ago, five years ago when I was 50 years old and I spent a lot of time prior to that doing what the industry says you should do. Mm -hmm. And I finally just said, screw it. And I did it my way. And that's the first thing that worked. Now, Bad Ben might've, you know, as it turns out, it cost me $300 to make, but that's because I was actually the only person in it. Mm -hmm. Now the original plan was to have six actors in it, 
And unlike a lot of productions, indie productions, people do, I, I pay my people when yeah. they're on film. So had those six actors um, made themselves available for this, it would have cost a lot more than $300 because they would have been paid. Mm -hmm. How that happened, if you don't mind me getting into that a little oh, go ahead. six actors, I had, I'm not an actor. As it turns out, I guess I am because I'm in these films and it's called acting. But I originally had six actors and the plan was there was going to be a college age female whose mm -hmm. parents were away and she invites her boyfriend over and they invite two more couples over and one by one they disappear until just the female lead is left. Mm -hmm. That was the plan. As we approach, and like I said, they were all going to get paid. As we approach the shooting date, one by one, the actors dropped out. Much like the script. They it, what? I'm sorry. Much much like in the film, right. <laughs> they all start disappearing. Right, but they they just uh, dropped out, and it wasn't because they didn't like the story or they didn't like what was happening. It was just for a personal reason. Mm -hmm. All I had left was the female lead. So I said, well, I'll just make this film where she's alone in the house and this stuff's happening. Mm -hmm. On the Thursday before we were to begin shooting that weekend in May of 2016, I'm driving home in a pouring rainstorm. I get a text message from her and she says, moving to L.A. can't be in your film. Sorry. Good luck. So I said, damn it. I put my phone down on the passenger seat of the car and drove for about 30 seconds. Then I scooped up the phone and I started filming myself. And I said, here I am on my way home from the house I bought at the sheriff's sale on Steelmanville Road. Mm -hmm. And I pull in the driveway and I flip the camera around on my iPhone. And I say, there it is, not bad for a sheriff's sale. So that became the opening scene of my movie. Mm -hmm. And then I was faced with, you know, I'm thinking to myself, who wants to see a bald, fat, 50-year-old guy running around the house, getting the crap kicked out of him by ghosts and demons? I said, but what do I got to lose? So over the course of about three weeks, I filmed that. And I would, the beauty of being the only person in it is I didn't have to arrange schedules or align schedules. And I would have an idea at two in the morning and I'd get up and film it. Mm -hmm. Because originally what I did, I shot that opening scene and then I shot the end scene where I get pulled into the basement. And I then just started filming stuff to connect point A to point B. And at the end I had a film. Wow. That that story about just filming the first scene in your car. Yeah, that's uh, that's really incredible. good stuff. Yeah. Um well, it definitely changed my life because I could have easily just said, you know, all right, I give up, at least on that project and just mm -hmm. gone, you know, just gone and done something else or, or kept doing commercials or whatever I was doing. But I decided to do that. And again, it was an unknown. I thought to myself, you know, usually these movies are young, attractive people getting brutally slaughtered. Mm -hmm. I, I had to think to myself, who's going to want to see me walking around the house? And I also thought I was making a horror film. Now, Bad Ben was definitely creepy. It had creepy aspects. 
But I noticed when the reviews started coming in, people found it creepy but funny because the way that the character I play, Tom Riley, mm-hmm. the way he was just so nonchalant about things, <laughs> so hell-bent on, look, I spent every cent I had to buy this house that I thought was a good deal, not knowing all this stuff was going on. So I'm not leaving because obviously people say, why don't, why don't they just leave? Uh-huh. Because every penny I had, I put into buying this house and I thought here I'm getting this giant house I'm getting this great deal well it's haunted and there were murders in there and uh, there is a scene where I'm in the kitchen on the phone with the bank complaining because they didn't let me know about there's a, a murder in the house uh, or there was a murder suicide in the house and that's actually a fact that that does not have to be disclosed in the state of New Jersey at least Unless somebody asked, was there any tragic, did anybody die in this house? Then they must reveal to you. But otherwise, it's caveat and tour. Let the buyer beware. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned uh, you had this idea of like who would want to see me in this movie. And I think it's so clear that uh, you are a big part of the appeal. Well, you know, it's, it's, I'm a humble guy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I joke around a lot and I say I'm a celebrity and all. But mm-hmm. the truth of it is, I'm a humble guy, and that's kind of, uh, you know, I've come to realize that, especially after I continued making the films, I came to realize that the appeal was my character, because the second film I did, I wanted to explain why there were cameras in the house, what Bad Ben is, and so I got darker and more serious, and I wasn't in it until the very end because the very end is the setup for the original mm-hmm. Bad Ben. And that film didn't do nearly as well because people, my fans, were looking for me. Who I I describe Tom Riley as like Michael Scott in The Office. The guy mm-hmm. thinks he's brilliant, but he's actually a moron. And that's what worked. People, people like that character. So I and they found him funny and scenes in the movie funny. So after the prequel, mm-hmm. the second one with a cast and everything that was less popular, I then did Better Ben, the third installment, and I embraced the fact that people liked the comedy. And so there were creepy parts in it, but it was also meant to be funny, and I had a cast in that. And Matt and Jackie were both uh, sketch comedians. And David, who's in that, was my my screenwriting. I took a course in screenwriting from him. Mm-hmm. And we did that one where, you know, Tom was, there's a lot of nonsense in it. People liked it again. The fourth film only happened because somebody one day said to me, hey, have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? And I said, no. They said people believe they saw Nelson Mandela's funeral televised when he died in prison. I said, he didn't die in prison. He got out, became the first black president of South Africa. And I said, he just died last year. This was at the time. But I said, but they said, no, it's alternate timelines and all this stuff. And you, I guess, I'm assuming you've heard the story of the Mandela effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wound up saying, look, why don't I keep doing the 
the Tom Riley thing, but have alternate timelines like he keeps coming to the house over and over again. And that also allowed me in a future installment to create my character coming face to face with other versions of myself mm -hmm. from alternate timelines. So I've had a lot of fun with it. There's And, and the greatest thing about this is there's, is doing it myself. I don't have to answer to anybody but the fans because if they don't like it, it'll bomb. Mm -hmm. But I just was able to, I got sometimes just ridiculous with nonsense, but I'm having a blast doing it my way. And I encourage anybody that wants to do filmmaking to, I mean, try to do it the traditional way, but don't discount doing it your own way. And like when people tell me, oh, I want to make a film, I just got to get a good camera. Look, have you heard of the movie Unsane? No. Unsane was this, was this movie with Claire Foy. She's the woman that played, well, she was in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel or something, but she also played the queen in the Netflix series The Crown, the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Unsane was a film shot on an iPhone 7. And people nowadays, what can be done with an iPhone or an Android phone camera is unbelievable. The audio is really good. The video is real 4K or more. So there's really, uh, I just tell people that are, are looking to, look, I didn't make these cinematic masterpieces, but they've been popular. Bad Ben. I expected, ah, I'll get a couple people to watch it, stuff like that. But that movie has streamed over 150 million minutes. That's how, that's how popular that simple film got shot on a GoPro for the most point. Mm -hmm. So I tell young filmmakers, not necessarily young filmmakers either, because I made that when I was 50 years old. I tell them, get rid of the excuses and just start filming. Incredible. Uh, Nigel, we're going to take a quick break uh, for, for ads, and then we'll come right back. Okay. And we're back uh, with more Nigel Bach. Um, Nigel, one thing I wanted to touch on, um, not all the Bad Bench movies are really streaming right now, um, and I don't know if there's a correlation, but I know that from the research I've done, it seems that the... Um, the, the environment for making money on Amazon with these movies is not what it was when you released the first one? No, Amazon's gotten tricky. And I owe a debt of gratitude to Amazon because the success of these films was based on their platform, which was originally called Amazon Video Direct, and now it's Prime Video Direct. So up until the beginning of this year, all the films were available on you know, Amazon and included with Prime. Mm -hmm. Amazon originally was paying directors back in 2000. They started in May of 2016. And it basically, it's the YouTube format. Anybody could upload a video that met certain criteria and have it stream on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then after the first 18 months, they, they changed from 15 cents an hour streamed which would mean if somebody watched your full film, you'd make 22 cents, like in my case, 90 minutes. Then they changed the rate to six cents up to 30 million minutes, and then 10 cents 
to up to 100 million minutes and then 15 cents an hour after that. But the problem that happened was, I mean, the Bad Ben series, all the films would hit 30 million minute streams. Mm-hmm. The problem happens that every year on the anniversary date, it resets to zero. So you'll be back to making six cents a minute. But that was still okay. Now you can actually make as little as a penny an hour streamed up to a maximum of 12 cents an hour stream. So in most instances, you would make about a penny and a half for a 90-minute film if somebody watched the whole thing compared to making 22 cents five years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they have the reason for doing that, and it it's for money. But if you just made it, like I went to make the films all available for rent or purchase as cheap as I could, and I would still make a lot more than on Prime. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was more than happy to have them all available on Prime, but then Amazon started arbitrarily removing films from Prime. And when I got my distributor, we took the films down off of uh, Amazon from my account just so they could turn around and re-upload them. And of the eight films, they rejected six of them. <laughs> So they were on Monday, all eight films were up there. Uh-huh. On um, Wednesday, only two of them were up there. And they're coming out on other places. Uh, Benign, the new release, is going to be available on Apple TV, um, which you no longer need an Apple box to do that. You can get it on Roku. You can mm-hmm. get the Apple app, app on all kinds of smart TVs now. But they're also uh, will be coming out on. They're going to be on certain internet. I mean, uh, certain satellite providers, cable providers. They're going to be on Google Play, Xbox, and the whole series is going to be coming up on. Uh, it's been submitted to Peacock and Tubi, and also uh, Dread TV, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've seen Dread TV. No. But it's recently a streaming channel that launched, which is packed with material. Is it kind of like, um, what's that one AMC did that's just for horror? Well, Shudder is yeah. <coughs> compared to, but Shudder is pretty big because they do a lot of their own original broadcasting too. Mm-hmm. But Dreads, Dread TV, uh, it just actually started operating about a month ago. And it's going to be there. In fact, Dread um, made a Bad Ben video game. Really? Wow. I, I, I think like, I saw that on YouTube. Who was, I was just talking um, to uh, my friend Steven, one of the podcast, about – because we were watching a Bad Ben movie and, like, the camera angles. We were like, I want to play Resident Evil with Tom Riley. Well, it, it was – a surprise to me when they approached me about doing it and then they did a frame grab which you want to call it an animation it's just a digitized version of me in my house mm-hmm. when they first sent me the frame grab i thought i was looking at a frame grab of my film but no it was a digitized version of me and and the i don't know if your show is g-rated or pg-13 whatever you'd like well yeah whatever you like they built because i curse so much in the films um, they actually 
made a function in the game that you can press certain keys on the keyboard and I curse. <laughs> That's incredible. I can be walking through the living room and you hit a button and I say, fuck, shit, or ass. It's just... It's very funny. Right. And you I, didn't have to record anything. You, they had this from the movie? No, they had me. They gave me lines to record. Oh, okay. Okay. Pretty funny as I'm sitting here recording them because they're saying, make sure you give us a pause after each word. So I would say, like, fuck. And I'd sit there and then I'd start laughing. <laughs> and, then I'd, you know, and I'd start laughing. But it is hysterical. And they got, they capitalize on, like, when I call the dolls, you little bitch. Um, they have that in there when I'm, I'm walking around. And it's pretty hysterical to see a, a digitized version of myself walking around the house through this. I haven't even gotten to the end of it yet. It was just released Tuesday. And uh, there are people that have gotten all the way through it. And it's just yesterday afternoon, it was number three in a internet browser video games. Where can people uh, find this game? shit i was afraid you were going to ask me that <laughs> it's uh i i don't know they sent me a link i clicked on something. well if we can figure it out we will be sure to include it somehow in the description or something okay i'll if i find the link i'll send it to you there's a lot of stuff on youtube like a lot of playthroughs and these these have like a lot of like these are like um a lot of people love the cursing button well, that's I do these. I do a lot of Facebook Live, and uh -huh. I'll, I'll give away stuff like when I do my broadcast. And one of the things we'll do is we'll play trivia. And I had somebody guess how many times I cursed in a movie, how many times I said the f word in a movie. Well, it was easy for me to figure that out because I took the closed captioning file, which is just a text file. And yeah. I did word search on it, and it was ungodly the amount of times I cursed. I mean, my mother's rolling over in her grave <laughs> knowing that I have such a toilet mouth. Do you think anyone's done a Bad Ben drinking game with that? Actually, I don't encourage that because they, <laughs> they say that. They say, oh, we do it where we take a shot every time you say the F word. Well, I said, you better not because your, <laughs> your liver will... will be in the next bad then film as a ghost uh but speaking of um viewing uh have you ever considered like uh like a a screening of, of a bad ben film like publicly actually the first screening scheduled and realize at this point the film will be six years old mm -hmm. well five years five and a half years old um will be at frankencon in knoxville tennessee in may of mm -hmm. 2022 and they're going to do a screening and then a q a of bad men wow so that'll be the first actual screening with an audience in there we'll see if they're throwing tomatoes at me or if they're liking it i you may have the 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 record for smallest panel about a movie at that point yeah well i'm guessing that most of the people that come there will have already seen it but they'll just I, no i mean i mean as in like you're the only one involved in the film yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, you'll just be alone up there. You'll just be up there answering questions with, with no actors or anything. That's right. I'm going to say, you know, look, I'm the celebrity here. You don't have to talk to the rest of the cast. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. 
I'm looking forward to that. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, and this might sound stupid, but I, I've been thinking about this because I, I'm in this class and we keep talking about like auteur theory uh, and how everyone was talking about how there's no real auteur filmmakers. You know, it's a collaborative experience. And I was like, in a weird way, you are like the only auteur you can name because you're the only guy in Bad Ben. Well, yeah, and you know what? It's it made it easy to do the film because I didn't need I didn't have anybody else telling me something should be done a different way. Mm-hmm. So, and it apparently it worked because of the popularity and I mean, in not only Bad Ben. But in the most recent one, Benign, um, you're going to see that I there is another character in the film, and I have some help in that one. But I'm the only one in that too. And what one of the things that makes Bad Ben Nine Benign different than the previous films is this film happens in 90 minutes linear. So yeah. from the time it begins till the time it ends, it's 90 minutes in time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a unique take on the whole series too, but it's still the same nonsense. And it you know it's great working with other talents, but it's also a lot of fun because working with yourself. Because when you do that, if it, you know you succeed or you fail based on your the, your own decisions you made in the process, and you're not taking a whole boatload of people down with you if it sucks. Mm-hmm. Although it is very pleasing to, to lift a whole bunch of people up if it doesn't. But this one, I think people are going to get a kick out of this. But I will tell you, not everybody watches the credits of a film. Mm-hmm. And the credits of Pandemic, which was the film just prior to this, there's a scene during the credits in which I'm outside and I'm confronted by a sheriff and his deputy, who you don't see, they're off camera. And that has some relevance to the beginning of Benign. Mm-hmm. Some people, the moment the credits start playing, shut it off. But those that didn't will see how it relates to the new film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be... Um, I noticed that I, like the, the first... I feel like not all the bad Ben films have such... Uh, like They're so religious about continuity, you know what I mean? Yeah, who needs that bullshit? Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. When you do it yourself, you do whatever you want. Yeah, there's important... In fact, I'll watch movies that don't have... Do you, have you guys ever watched the series Fargo, the TV series? No. But uh, my my old co-host, Adam Ali, loved that show. Well, if you, I feel like you would, yeah. Uh-huh. If you happen to Google season three, there is stuff that happens in there that has zero relevance to the series as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you sit there and you say to yourself, what is that even in there for? It's got, and, and you keep thinking that as you get to the end, there's going to be some, no, there's no relevance. So continuity wise, a lot of times I'll sit there and I'll watch something and say, Hey, that doesn't make sense. But in these, most of the time there is a continuity to everything that happens. And each film builds on the previous film in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at the ninth film at this point in the course of, like you said, five years. 
Um, I, I'm curious. Uh, do you see an end to the franchise? Like, I is- do. You want to hear a spoiler? Sure. All right. You want to know what I want to do? The final. Now, I always tell my fans, if you keep watching, I'll keep making. And prior to the pandemic, I was making two a year. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't about to take and have a group of people get together for these films while we're in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I slowed them down. So in fact, excuse me. See, that cough was perfect when we're talking about yeah. But they had been pandemic was I actually got the fans of the film to film their own segments. And they're like having Skype or Zoom chats with me to get advice. They're showing me what happened and they're trying to get my advice on whether they're having something, you know, paranormal or mm-hmm. pandemic related. So that I was able to put together without, you know, coming in contact with anyone. And then um, nine comes along and well, you'll see that this Tuesday, mm-hmm. but am I going to wind up with 12, 15, 20? I, I don't know. I see an end, but let me tell you how the final, and I want your opinion on this. Well, and, you, we are recording. I just want to remind you. Right. And you're, no, that's all right. It's, yeah. it's relevant. I, this is meant for anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. To hear your opinions on it and even your listeners' opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Here's what happens. Whatever the film is before the last film, however it ends, let's say I'm standing there with a cross and I say, I beat you, Satan, you're done. Uh-huh. And that's the end of the second to last film. The last film is going to open where I'm standing there with that cross and I say, I beat you, Satan, you're done. And then you're going to hear, cut, that's a wrap, good job, Nigel. And what happens is I'm now Nigel Bach in the house and everything. And what has happened is from all these years of mocking the paranormal and making these films, I've actually pissed off the... uh, demons and ghosts of the world and now my house is actually haunted is what's going to happen for the final film and i'm actually dealing with and you're going to find out that nigel's not a whole lot different than tom riley Mm -hmm. one of the things i always get asked is when you're sitting there playing with a ouija board in the film or throwing a bible in the trash can or stuff are you worried that you could wind up conjuring something evil and no, I'm not. But that's what the final film will be about. That after I wrap up the film and everybody leaves, it turns out I'm home alone. And there is now, in fact, something evil in the house that I have to deal with. That's pretty That's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, well, that for sure. I th- and it's going to be it's going to be dark. It's still going to have the you know, some of the comical aspects, because like I said, my character of Tom Riley isn't that far removed from my real life persona, my real life person of Nigel Box. So we'll see how it, uh, but I think um, it would be a compelling, interesting way of doing it. So I'd be curious to hear from your, your listeners also what they think of that. Uh, Yeah. If you guys uh, have any opinions, um, uh, is there, is there a way you wanted them to reach out to you or 
Well, they can email me at Nigel at NigelBach.com. Yeah, if if uh, if you're listening and you want you want to tell Nigel about your opinions on this uh, Bad Ben finale, uh, just head up that email, Nigel at NigelBach dot uh, dot com. Yep. Um, I had another thing I wanted to ask you. We were talking about uh, the end of the series. Do you ever see it? Uh, do you ever see doing um, something without found footage? Maybe not even a Bad Ben film, but in general, do you see yourself? Yeah, I've got a couple screenplays, actually, that are not found footage, but I don't know that I'd be filming them. Mm-hmm. I actually had, two weeks ago, a conversation with somebody that may option one of my works. But, you know, people are so full of crap. Yeah. When you have the check and it clears, that's when you've optioned the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until then, it's just all talk. But, yeah, there's some things I want to do beyond this. I also have a prediction that because of the the cult following of this Bad Ben series, that at some point in the future, a studio with a larger budget is going to come back and want to do Bad Ben for real with, like, a real budget thrown behind it and do a mm-hmm. remake. And people say, well, it's got to have Tom Riley in it. No, it doesn't. It just has to have somebody that's as attractive as I am. <laughs> you know, it's personable, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to happen some point down the road. If a studio wanted you, would you do it? What? Would you be Tom Riley? I mean, of course I would, but, you know. But I just think that I don't think that that's what they'd ask for. Now, mm-hmm. if they wanted that character, yeah, I'd do it. But I just think that there's going to be. Younger people, a little more established that they might want to throw in there. But, you, you know, it's it's just been such an honor to create that character and have it be as embraced as it has been by people. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that would be up to them, but we'll see. I'm getting old. It's a little tough to throw yourself down the steps <laughs> when you're as, as old as I am. I just turned 56 this week, and every time I get older – a year older, I realized that like the appeal of a lifetime warranty is not nearly as impressive <laughs> now as it was when I was 25. That's a, that brings up an interesting question. Uh, like you, you gotta do kind of some stunts in these movies uh, with the throwing yourself and whatnot. Yeah. How do you, how do you handle that kind of thing? Well, there's a little bit of movie magic in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't really get thrown into the ceiling and yeah. hit it, but um, yes, yeah, some of this stuff is, I'm just, you know, I'm careful, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and, you know, I, I can, anybody can fall down. Yeah. The magic is falling down and not getting hurt. So I've had no injuries so far, at least not in the film. I told you in the past 24 hours, I lost a crown on my tooth and I stepped on a nail, so. Mm-hmm. But uh, that wasn't in filming. That was just in walking. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking out on my next question. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that comment that people have made feedback-wise on the films are that there are practical effects, mm-hmm. and, uh, not so much like CGI. And also, um, one of the guys from Breaking Glass constantly is amazed at the pratfalls. Like when I fall down or I, I trip over something or I jump over something, he's amazed by that. 
I said, well, you know, I'm not in a wheelchair. I can do some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we have to say thank you so much to Breaking Glass, uh, not only for setting this up, but also giving us the screenings of uh, several Bad Ben films, including Bad Ben Benign, which I have seen uh, and I'm excited for everyone else to see. Can we give away a spoiler from Bad Ben 9? Uh, this will be out the day Bad Ben 9 drops. So if you're comfortable with that, I'm comfortable with that. So I'd like to know people's opinion of my nude scene. I was going to – that's insane. <laughs> you, you, you've done a nude scene now. That's Well, actually, at the end of Bad or Bad, I had a similar type nude scene. Uh-huh. This one, I'm full Monty. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when you talk about special effects, I was I was quite – I, I, I really treated myself well in that nude scene. Mm-hmm. Very gracious. Oh, yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a question about that. Right. Just, canonically, is, is that every Nigel, or is that just the Nigel from the universe where he's that well bestowed? Let me tell you something. The Nigel you're talking to? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> i'm sorry i meant i meant tom riley i i apologize i didn't mean that in real life i'm so sorry no i hired a stunt cock for that yeah Uh, i i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't intend to ask you about that i meant i meant tom riley i'm so sorry well michael if you want to talk privately when this is over i mean But uh, I, I didn't know we were going there. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I met Tom Riley. Is Tom Riley well bestowed? Uh, I, you know, there's a lot that can be done with um, prosthetics, and uh, like, and we'll just leave it at that. People have to see it for this to make mm-hmm. this conversation to make sense. I can't, I can't <laughs> believe I accidentally just asked you that. <laughs> I, met, I met Tom Riley. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is just. The highlight of that episode. Uh, Thank you for that, Mike. I can cut that out if you need me to. No, wait. If he's uncomfortable, yeah, cut it out. But I, I, you're asking me about my junk. I'm not uncomfortable about it. I'm All not right. gonna sit here and lie. I, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry. We're anyway, keeping this. <laughs> um, we're about at the end anyway. Uh, Nigel, is there anything you'd like to plug before you go? Well, um, can I can I briefly just say because. You know, karma goes a long way. Uh-huh. Whenever I could take and support somebody else, I like to mention something about uh-huh. somebody else. Bra- um, leaving DC is an outstanding found footage film that I think everybody should take a peek at. Do you know where they can find it? It was on Amazon. I don't know if it's there anymore, but they can probably Google it. All right. Uh, but, so but look for leaving DC. Sorry, continue. No, that's it. Leaving DC. It's... Uh-huh. Great found footage, and for the most of that, most part in that film, it's only one character, also, and it's really creepy and really well done. But as far as me plugging stuff, there's a uh, Bad Ben Nine is mm-hmm. out today um, on uh, Apple TV, and it's going to be a lot of other places. The website BadBen.com will be updated to have everything that's in you know, where everything's located as it lands, where it lands over the next few days. So by the time this airs, you ought to be able to go there and see all the places you can see Bad Ben 1 through 8 plus Benign. And mm-hmm. I think you're going to, the couple people that have screened Benign, uh, nobody's been disappointed. So I'm, yeah, 
I think I think it's very much in tow with what you've been doing so far. I thought it was a great addition. Uh, can I uh, be a little spoilery? Sure. Uh, I love that Tom and Ben are just cool now. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's my boy. He went and got me the stuff I needed. I know. I love that. Um, it, uh, I would love to see more of that going forward. Just Ben and Ben and Tom being being buds. Well, you know, I'm not saying that there will be another film, but let's just assume for a minute there is. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that this week I have somebody here that is going to be filmed as Bad Ben. As, as Ben himself? Right. Wow. So, Which yeah. we've never seen before. Well, you kind of saw a cheesy version of him in Badder Ben. Uh -huh. That was my, my best friend who's... Uh, he, he played Ben in that. And also he walked through the house in Steelmanville Road. But this is actually going to be where people get to see Ben and comparatively in size to Tom Riley. And I'm talking about height, not not back to our, our joints. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> that seemed to be a topic of conversation. I'm, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. I'll, uh... I really meant to ask about the character. I um anyway nigel uh thanks so much for coming on well it's uh, a pleasure to be here and i thank you guys for inviting me on mm -hmm. and listen if, if there's a bad ben 10 and you want to you want to talk about it before it comes out you can always come back here you know where to reach us i do um anyway thank you so much and uh everyone at home thanks so much for listening uh this has been the second halloween special of it's the kid michael show as always i'm your host kid michael uh, you can follow the show on Instagram at It's Kid Michael and on Twitter at It's Kid Michael. Uh, the theme song was written and performed by Matthew Rosenthal, and our editor and executive producer is Kevin Anderson. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. <coughs>